Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am on your dial, app or digitally. I'm Flick Manning, your host. Brainwaves is a mental health-focused show with a lived experience lens, and today I'm joined by Cassie Walker. Cassie Walker is a music industry professional, DJ and podcaster. She has a very clear passion for music, and her career has included heavy hitters like Double J. She also co-hosts a podcast called Dug By Us. So Cassie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Flick. So Cassie, you're a DJ, and you're in the music industry, and you're also chronically ill. How does your mental health and physical health play a role in these pursuits? I guess I didn't really acknowledge my mental illness until I had to, uh, which probably kind of happened around nine years ago. And then same with my uh, chronic health, physical health, which was um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia uh, around two years ago now. I guess being in such a fast-paced industry that is very much based on in-person events and networking and participation. I would just push through my own self at my own limits uh, and then I would crash into a heap and be like, what's going on with me? And complain on Facebook. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it would kind of, I would recharge my batteries and start back up again. And um, that was a vicious cycle that I was running for a very long time, unfortunately. It is very, very difficult when your job requires so much from you in that way, and it really does take its toll. So, Cassie, can you take us maybe through a specific event or circumstance where your mental health was really challenged by what you had to do for your career? Yeah, you know, working essentially eight hours a day in an office, uh, there was never an opportunity of working from home, even though really all you need is a laptop um, and an internet connection. But, you know, there was that um, expectation. And then that further expectation, particularly working in the live music side of things, of being present at events and gigs. And I love live music. Like, it's one of my absolute passions. I love going to concerts. But going from that eight-hour day in an office to then going into a dark room with lots of noise and different lights and different people and uh, not the most comfortable of settings until let's say midnight and then accompanied with that comes you know a quick fast food dinner or something fried because that's all you can fit in and all you can afford because generally you're not paid well (laughs) and then you know it comes with the jokes because that's how you're I guess reimbursed in the music industry a lot of the time is is hey like you know come to the show we'll give you a couple of drinks for free you know you kind of feel obliged to partake in that because a it's like a reward for your hard work and, and B, it's also that, you know, social, social lubrication. So, yeah, you know, I was doing that five days a week. It was kind of around that point I first realised and was diagnosed that I had anxiety. I would have this kind of 
moments or I'd wake up and I would just be overwhelmed and just have this kind of fear and, and that um, panic and that feeling of stress. I was always in a, in a state of stress in that particular period, which was about nine years ago now. And I would just be like, my nervous system would be shutting down. And I just remember shaking and feeling panicked and tears, you know, on the brink of tears. And it just was so confusing and so alienating for me because I wasn't around people who were acting like that or that were presenting those sort of behaviors. It had been linked in like my history. I'd, you know, seen some of some family members with that, but it was always kind of quite a severe mental illness. It was never, I never really talked about it. Uh, my wonderful GP at the time kind of, you know, gently brought up the the conversation. And um, that was when I first see, started seeing a psychologist and started being medicated. And that was, I guess, the start of my mental health awareness. And I mean, in turn, that I ended up quitting that job literally in a mass email to everyone, which is not my finest moment. <laughs> but I also just had this realization that I couldn't keep going the way I was going. And I knew that I wasn't alone in terms of the staff and the way that the industry was, uh, you know, that particular workplace was treating us. But, and the industry, you know, nine years ago, was it doesn't seem that long ago, but sometimes it seems like it was so different to what it is now as well. So I just want to say that there has been a lot of positive change and it's not, <laughs> it's not it. <laughs> It's really, really great that you were at least able to start that journey and that you had a supportive health professional there at the beginning because that's can be quite rare as well. In on terms of music, I guess specifically, I mean it's considered a very universal language and it's proven to have an effect on a person's brain, their brain chemistry, and therefore their overall well-being. And yet at the same time with your specific career, there's all these other expectations that go with it. Are the changes that you see in people where you, you do things like DJing and stuff, one of the reasons why you hang around in the music industry with all of those, you know, extra pressures it places on your physical and mental well-being? Yeah, it's funny because I've, I've been DJing for a very long time. I've actually DJed the least over the last few years, obviously, with COVID. And then I just didn't feel comfortable going back into pubs and clubs that have first opened and also encouraging or being the reason that people would be gathering because <laughs> um, that's your job is to essentially get people to um, gather together on the floor and to dance and to be sweaty and singing lyrics in each other's faces and all of those things that um, are terrifying. Uh, so yeah, so admittedly, I've not I had a DJ for a while, and then recently, this gorgeous, inclusive, accepting bar that is a local of mine that I love um, just you know opened up some DJs in the summer, and it was such a nice space to. I guess, gain my confidence again and, and getting back onto um, playing music and that it's that reaction. And it's so wonderful to see that, you know, you could have all different people from different walks of life. And I really, um, I really try to DJ places that are free entry. I really like to try and make sure that it is, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you have two cents in your pocket or 200 cents, I don't know, $200 in your pocket, you could still come in and enjoy that um, atmosphere. So it is such a joy and it's really like I used to have this sick game. I, I say sick because it's so weird. I used to get so excited when people like make out on the dance floor. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if like this is them finding their person and they're going to fall in love and like it's because they bonded over this like stroke song that I played or like a song by, you know, like the yeah, yeah, yeahs or something. So um, yeah, I guess that's a safe way of saying that I absolutely love the reaction that I see in people. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
I can understand why that would be extremely appealing to watch. It's such it's so beautiful when humans express emotion so freely. And I think in music they definitely do that in abundance. So and on that note, so what attracted you to radio and to DJing in particular? I have always loved music from as young as I can remember. And as soon as I was allowed to go to live concerts or as long as I kind of could, I would. And I always credit this as like the moment that, you know, really decided my path or my destiny. I was uh, 14 years old and like most teenage girls of my era was obsessed with killing Heidi. And I was lucky enough to meet them at a show and just having just such a normal connection with the band, but most, you know, more specifically Ella Hooper and um, and her brother Jesse, you know, they were just so normal and they were like me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And that just drew me to that industry. You know, it was something that was quite scary and distant and for cooler people than me. And so that was really nice to be accepted by them. And I still, you know, can credit them for, for my career because if that experience had been the opposite and they were too cool for me, I probably would have gone down a different, I know I would have gone down a different path. And I kind of started DJing because I loved the presenting side of things. And that was something I really wanted to pursue. And I did the Channel B presenter search and the prize was to be a presenter of Channel V, which was, you know, the music TV show back in the day. And when I found out the pay, <laughs> it was like, hang on, you want somebody to live in Sydney, which is like a very expensive city and get paid not much money. Um, and I just was like, okay, so if I want to do this as a job, I can't just be a presenter, right? I don't have billions of dollars saved or, you know, people that I can fall back on to pay my rent while I do this. And so I actually started DJing because I was like, this would be a good side hustle if I become a Channel B presenter, which I never did. Um, but it was just this, like, that's where it came from. And it was kind of, it came pretty naturally. The first time I DJed, I was in LA um, at the Viper Room, which is a venue, a live music venue, bar, cool bar, let's say, uh, on the Sunset Strip. And the DJ was playing kind of all these songs I knew, and he was playing a lot of Australian rock songs, which is, you know, my absolute favorite vibe. And I was just kind of singing and dancing along to every track, and he noticed that, and he came down, he's like, hey, you must have really great taste in music. You've known every song I've played, and I've played some weird stuff. Do you want to come and have a go you know like are you a dj and that was kind of my my first go i don't actually even know that guy's name anymore so thanks mate um and that was you know how i started and it was really nice to somebody i guess noticing me being a music lover and giving me a chance and then i moved to melbourne 12 years ago with not many friends not much to do um and one of my good friends from adelaide her best mate was living here and he was a DJ and was teaching people how to DJ. And so I'd spend my Friday nights kind of just hanging around him and uh, he showed me the ropes and gave me some of my first gigs here. So I definitely pick and choose my gigs now because it is exhausting. It takes a huge toll on me mentally and physically, which I understand, but it's really nice to keep that in my back pocket. Cassie, what mechanisms have you had to put in place to manage your mental well-being in an industry that is just so known for burnout? It's ongoing. <laughs> it's a constant work in progress. Um, I definitely was burnt out last year. I know that now. Um, and at the start of this year, and, you know, you start seeing the signs and you're like, oh, no, oh, no, but it's kind of like you're just in it. And really, you know what you have to do. 
to climb back up that ladder. You just can't. So I'm not a professional at this at all. Um, but I do find that, I mean, the awareness is one as well. It's amazing to have that awareness and not just like be caught down the bottom of the hole and go, oh, hang on. That's right. I'm here. Yoga. I have always loved yoga. I've never been like an active kid as such um, ever, but I've always, you know, from, I guess my early adult life have enjoyed yoga and I find that um, in yoga in particular is just amazing. <laughs> it's like, I know, like I, I did a class last night and I literally feel like I come home floating and I know that I need that to keep me in check and keep me, I don't know, like grounded is a weird word because word, I just said I came home floating, but <laughs> you know, I'm going to contradict myself. Um, and definitely, you know, the sleep and the not booking myself out seven nights a week. And like, it's so silly that having a physical diary that has all seven days in front of me, because like your phone calendars are just so, I feel like they're designed to make you overbook yourself. <laughs> it's like, you have nothing on this week. And then you make plans and you realize that you're absolutely chockers. So it's, um yeah, for me, it's really important to have, look at the seven days and make sure that I've got allocated, you know, sleep-ins or allocated exercise time and allocated time just to like cook dinner, you know, things like that, that all help the balance because otherwise I will go down that hole again. Now, on that same vein, a lot of people do struggle to say no to things. And this is particularly in an industry like yours. And that's without even having an illness on top. So what have you learned about saying no? What advice can you give to our listeners? Uh, this is, yeah, again, I'm not a professional at this <laughs> um, at all. But look, I think initially I said yes to everything because I was new to the city I was, you know, I've risked a lot to uh, move to Melbourne to make it in the music industry. So there was a lot riding on it from my own self as well. Um, and I didn't want to miss that key opportunity, you know, of getting the the deal of my dreams. But um, if you say no, people aren't going to forget about you. People will still know about you. You know, if the job's there and you're the right person for the job, you will still get the job. Uh, you don't have to be in everyone's face and at the drinks and there till midnight um, every week because it doesn't matter. Um, it's also that, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're running on low fuel, you're not going to be delivering. Well, if you do get that dream job, you know, you're not going to be doing a good job. And I've noticed that, you know, I've really, I guess, realized that in the last kind of three years that, you know, having that balance makes me perform at my best. So it's kind of like a car service, you know, like with all my go to yoga or a walk or, you know, jumping in the ocean, eating well, um, all of those little things, seeing my psych, it's like my little car services. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like, I guess the biggest thing of saying no is knowing that you've got to listen to yourself first, because at the end of the day, if Joe Blow, who is going to give you this great opportunity, he doesn't, they don't care because, you know, that, that it, you know, it's that thing of you are disposable in this music industry, which, or in the arts a lot of the time. And I know that contradicts what I just said before, but um, they, you know, you've got to care about you first and then other people will pay attention. Yeah, that's a great point. I think sometimes it's sort of demonstrating to people that you have that respect for yourself and that confidence in taking care of yourself. And that can actually really earn you a lot of stripes and make you a more memorable person, I think, actually, because the confidence to be able to look after yourself actually can make people go, oh, okay, you're like, you've got boundaries, you've established yourself. Whereas if you're serving yourself up on a golden platter all the time, it's very easy for you to get 
walked all over it, even though you think you're making it easier for people to value you, sometimes you become less valuable because you don't show that you've got that confidence in your your own self-respect. And I think you've just sort of demonstrated that beautifully. Uh, Cassie, I saw you that you recently filmed an episode of Rock Wiz, which, you know, anyone yeah. listening will know it's the Aussie cultural kit and it's hosted by the incredible Julia Zemiro, who everybody loves. So how do you manage these like public facing roles, particularly, I guess, and the expectations that do go alongside them? Because filming things can take a really long time, like a lot longer than people would think that they would when they're actually watching a show. Um, and those things can trigger those mental health episodes, those physical health episodes. So how do you handle those things as they pop up in the moment with those public facing tasks? Yeah. I mean, Rock Quiz was like an absolute dream come true. Like as a music nerd, <laughs> it's like the best one you could ever have. And if you watch that episode closely, you will see that I actually troop up the step and I'm walking up the stage because it was so tall and I'm so short and, you know, I'm a bit wobbly at the best of times. I I mean, that's kind of like, that was just a fun thing that was like a nice little surprise that I did used to do, a, like host a lot of YouTube TV shows or I've posted TV shows in the past on YouTube and um, yeah, I guess like just don't read the comments because that's awful, you know, and, and share those experiences with people that you know you're in a safe space, like that, particularly for Rockwiz. I mean, that was just fun. And I was in a room with my family and my niece and nephew. I was lucky enough to be in New South Wales with them and, and watching it. And it was really important for me to go through that and watching that with supportive people. So you do remove that critical lens, I guess, if that makes sense in terms of the, um, the experience. But the day itself, like, was it was actually super chill. Like, they checked dietary requirements and they gave us really healthy, yummy food and a really nice, calm space and everyone was really kind and lovely. So I actually just adored that experience. Like, I'm still bouncing from it because it was so fun. <laughs> Now, also having a chronic illness in a public-facing career and then relationships is sort of akin to like juggling on a tightrope in the middle of a blizzard. Like it's so many things to manage at the same time. What advice can you give to our listeners about how to balance these demands and also keep that mental well-being in check? Yeah, I, it's tricky. Like I'm still learning in terms of like dealing with chronic illness um, and being out with people. It's so silly but like the best advice I could give is just like have a solid pair of shoes and I know that sounds so dumb but I feel like if you were feeling and that's if obviously you you know are walking and able-bodied of that side but um it's like for me if I'm feeling confident and comfortable there that is like the my foundation you'll see me often wearing like sneakers or um you know like skate shoes and solid boots and I very rarely I don't think I only wear heels if I have to these days <laughs> I don't I don't I'll wear them for like a photo and take them off because that for me is is so grounding and makes me then feel a bit more comfortable in in the space and com like comfortable clothing you know like jeans are just awful, just awful awful things and <laughs> it's just like all of those little things that I guess are so normal in society or you know you're going through trends as a young, young person and even early adult but being comfortable particularly when things do irritate you or you do have you know kind of inflammation or pains or whatnot that helps just you feeling more comfortable in your own body and then in terms of like I guess juggling 
it all. It's it's really tricky. It's I'm still learning. Um, because I've been away. It you know it's been a, a kind of weird few years of, um, from me being diagnosed with fibromyalgia to, um, the world opening so to speak. It's been you know it's been nice in a way that I could, um, process the diagnosis and and find some tools to help me in the privacy of just, you know, this kind of shutdown world. And that's been really nice. Um, but I find that it's just really good to be honest with people and be clear, like, and just say, oh, like, sorry, this, you know, those steps, can we take the wrap? Cause those steps are just a bit tricky or can we, you know, like just asking and, and just explaining the why, as opposed to, um, trying to suck it up. I hate to use that term, but, you know, just trying to get on with it. Um, you know, all those, you know, the, the sound's a bit noisy here. Can I move over here? And just knowing that um, what works with you in environments, I think that, you know, I've become very good at particularly at gigs standing in places that I feel a bit safer and protected from the crowds and I'm quite short, so I generally can't see a gigs. I don't know why I love them so much. It's so weird because everything about them is terrifying. Um but yeah, knowing that I'm going to be, you know, near kind of like the bar, if I want to get a glass of water, I want something to lean on and um, all of those those sort of things. I, I do like a little mental recce in my head as I'm walking into the room um, to, you know, know my, um, my limitations. I know that you are really involved in this wonderful podcast. It's very, very popular called Dug By Us. And you've also started Upcycled Merch. Can you give our listeners a bit of a wrap up on both of those for us, please? Yeah. Um, so Dug By Us is a podcast that I do with uh, one of my best friends, Chris Holland. And we met working together when I worked at Triple M Radio. And it was one of those things that we'd always just talk about music he is just as nerdy and just as passionate about music as I am. And so as soon as we met, we just kind of clicked and it was like, you know, that kind of, I don't know, stepbrother scene where it's like, I think we just became best friends. <laughs> and then we, you know, he came up to me one day and he's like, good idea for a podcast. I was like, all right, cool. So I think we should just like bring in a new song each and talk about it. I was like, okay, cool. And that was literally it. It's been the most easiest thing to do. The hardest thing at the moment is, I guess like trying to find a new routine to record because I've just had, you know, a bit of a change with uh, work. And although I'm working less, it's just, I think, why look you know, you, you work less and therefore you've got less structure, but it's so much fun. And that's like a 10 minute episode. It's, uh, it's very easy to digest. Yeah. It always brings a smile to my face whenever I, I make that show. And it's nice to hear that feedback from others as well. You know, I know that other people do feel connected and so many people who are like who listen to it because they know me go oh, I feel like I know Chris and then they get excited when they meet him and I'm like he's just a normal person <laughs> it's so great um so yeah that's lots of fun and then yeah upcycled merch thanks for asking about it it's something I'm really excited about I launched it at the start of the year and it came from me being a huge music fan um I don't know how many times I can say that um and <laughs> noticing just the you know the main way that musicians can make money these days is from merchandise yet the merchandise industry is so bad for the environment you know in terms of like manufacturing new t-shirts the quality is getting lesser and lesser because you know enabled to keep costs down and make you know more revenue for the bands etc cetera, etc cetera. and so yeah and so the idea is that uh my i'm sourcing secondhand t-shirts from local op shops and um and community you know kind of variety stores 
And so the suppliers are local charities. The t-shirts are secondhand, but I quality control and uh, make sure that they are obviously wearable, um, which is therefore, you know, saving items from landfill and not creating new items. And then printing bands uh, logos on the actual, like the secondhand t-shirt. So you will have a nice comfortable t-shirt as well. It's not going to feel plasticky and stiff and um, you don't have to wait, you know, kind of a year till it gets worn in. Um, But the idea is to reduce the environmental impact that the music industry has, um, but still giving bands a kind of like conscious way of still being able to make money without creating new products. So it's, um, yeah, it's a hobby that I have connected with a lot of like-minded people have been having some really, really, really brilliant conversations around that. So, um, yeah, I'm really pumped about it. That's awesome. Both of those things are so, so cool. And I hope that they continue to grow and you continue to have that sort of level of success and excitement around it because you definitely deserve it. It's a, it's a great way to give back. Well, Cassie, thank you for spending time with myself and our Brainwaves listeners today. I really appreciate your candor and your openness as well. Uh, And I'm sure out of these, you're definitely going to get some more podcast listeners as well. So again, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you, Flick, and thanks for doing the show. It's it's really important. It means a lot. Now, if anyone wants to connect with Cassie and find out more about her podcast, Doug By Us, or her merch, Upcycled Merch, you can find those links on the 3CR podcast page. We'll have them there so you can click straight through. And be sure to check out Cassie's amazing work on Instagram and keep up with all the fabulous things she's doing in the music industry. You can, of course, catch us here at Brainwave, same time and same place next week. And you can listen to the replays of any of our previous episodes on the 3CR podcast page or Spotify. And finally, a reminder that your mental health is of equal importance to your physical health. So if you're yet to do so today, please connect them in harmony by taking a nice deep inhale, a lovely deep exhale. And remember to shower yourself with the kindness that you are so easily giving to others. I look forward to chatting with you next time on Brainwaves. If you're wrestling with feelings of anxiety, worry and depression or finding the current social isolation measures hard to deal with, we would like to encourage you to call Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are seeking information about mental health or mental health services or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. If you feel it would be helpful to talk to someone about these issues during this difficult period, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111500. That's 1-300-111-500. Wellway supports 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.